I want to preface what I'm going to preach on here uh, by kind of like laying the guard at the start here. Uh, you need to know, if you, if, if you haven't been around here very long, that um, uh, Woodland Hills is, is a little different in some ways. I, I'm not sure how it's different. It just seems like it is different, uh, in some ways at least. I, I think it tends to be less... Um, Guarded than a lot of religious environments. I, I, I don't know, this is the sense I get. It tends to be a little more, le- less formal. Um, we had, a, 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 as an example of this, an appreciation uh, banquet on Friday night. Uh, how many of you were there? Did you, did, was that fun or what? Was that fun? Uh, I, and, and someone said to me afterwards that they just have never been in a church where people are this real, where they're just, they're just normal, they're, they're just people, and... Uh, that it's okay to let your hair down and laugh and kind of push the envelopes, and it's just human beings having a great time. It, it was a blast. Susie did her dancing queen imitation. That, that was kind of cool. And, and I, did, I did an incredible version of the Backstreet Boys, don't you think? You know, like, like just kind of like, you know, uh, yeah, see, you should have been there. Uh, it, was, it was just a really good time. Actually, some spiritual things did happen. Uh, Vi- Janice, who we, I said last week is always getting visions, she got a picture of uh, for me, and it was about being a warrior. She saw me as a mighty warrior for God, but I need to be uh, more fully dressed in the armor of God. And, uh, uh, yeah, that, that, that's basically it. She said I could also lose a little bit of weight, too, but, you know, that's like, so I, yeah, that, that was good. Uh, I'm a little more dressed in the armor of God. The other thing is that I, I, then I got a picture for, I don't get many pictures, but I, but I got a picture for Janice and, and that she was supposed to be strong in the Lord and, and valiant and God just wants to pump her up. And so this is kind of what I, I the picture of Janice I got. Yeah, that's, <laughs> it didn't occur to me until afterwards that that was a topless picture, but that's a guy there, okay? Actually, some of them, you know, the Lord just, he works in odd ways. He put her head on my body. It's an amazing thing, so... Okay, the topic for this morning, you'll see where I'm going with this, but it will take a little while, but hang with me, okay? Uh, there's there's a, an analogy I want to draw here. Um, you don't get much in religious environments, uh, topics, sermons preached on the issue of constipation, but it's a serious issue, and I want to address it. Do you know that one out of four people struggle with this in their life? That's right. Uh, I was up, my first real acquaintance with this issue, this serious problem. Hi, Jenny. I got most of my information from Jenny here about, she's a doctor and told me a lot about constipation. I do a lot of research for these sermons. You need to know that. Um, I was up in the mountains of Montana a number of years ago. I used to go on a backpack trip out for like three weeks at a time. Uh, to get close to God, I was all by myself, go out into the most uncharted areas of America, these, these, these woods in Montana, and I would get lost for a week or two and then have to find my way out, and I did that on purpose. I just wanted to be out in the wilderness all by myself, me and God, and, and it was a wonderful time. But the first time I went out there, I didn't know a whole lot. I didn't carry a gun, and there's a lot of bears out there. I didn't carry a flare gun, but there's a lot of cliffs you could fall off of. I, I was, you know, just not very informed. I also didn't know a lot about diets that you need to be on when you're out in the wilderness. Now, you have to carry all your food in a backpack. And three weeks' worth of food is hard to carry. So you have to eat a lot of freeze-dried food. I don't know if you've ever had that before, but it's, it's like uh, dehydrated food. Not only that, but you can't carry much water. So you've got to live from stream to stream. And... Um, uh, so you, you could go a day without finding a stream, and I had a map, a crude map of where the streams were, but, but uh, you, you didn't always get enough water. Now, you do the math on this. You're eating a lot of freeze-dried food. You're not drinking enough water. You're going to get clogged up. 
And about the second day, I began to feel kind of weird. By the third day, I was feeling uh, really stuffed up. I felt like I had a softball in my gut. By the fourth day, that softball turned into a bowling ball. Uh, and I wasn't feeling close to God at all. <laughs> I, was, I was in serious you know, pain. Fifth day, sixth day, it was, oh man, it's, like, it's hard to walk. It's like, what's wrong? This has never happened to me before. This is something seriously wrong. And when the day of truth finally does come, it is not pleasant because you, it's like giving birth to a brick or something. It's like, uh, you're in serious pain. It's not, now, see, the, the thing is, is that, see, there, there's a natural cycle of life. There's a natural cycle of life that's being violated when you eat the wrong stuff. Uh, it, 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 health is about taking in the right stuff and letting go of the right stuff. And if anything breaks that cycle of life, you're going to be uh, not living in health. People actually can get pretty seriously sick from uh, breaking that cycle of life. It's painful. It's unpleasant. It, it, uh, it's just not the way things were meant to be. Now, actually, there's, there's a number of reasons why people get clogged up. Uh, one, one reason is because they're not eating right, as I just said. They, they, uh, you, if, you're not, if you're diet, you don't have enough fiber, you know, don't, don't have your fruits, something's going to go bad. You, you, you just got to have a balanced diet. Some people have real imbalanced diets. The most extreme case of this are people who have this disorder called pica. Have you ever heard of this? Am I pronouncing it right, Jenny? Pica? Have you heard of pica? You don't want to hear about pica if you haven't heard about it, but I'm going to tell you anyways. Uh, you see, pica is this uh, uh, psychological problem that some people have, usually it's with kids, but some adults have it, where you eat stuff that's not even food. You talk about being imbalanced, you eat inanimate objects. Uh, you know, it, it, it maybe starts with, with a little safety pin, a bobby pin, or, you know, so then you follow, swallow a close pin. Some people eat hair. Jenny tells me that they had to take a, a, about a bowling ball size hairball, a fur ball out of a person because they're always eating hair and it doesn't digest and it doesn't pass real well. You see, what you take in affects what goes out and some stuff just doesn't go out. You know, I, I, I did some reading on it and there, there's cases of people swallowing screwdrivers. I, you know, I, they damage the throat, but they get those, I don't know how they do it. <laughs> Uh, I, when you read some of these accounts, it's hard to even believe they do it. But they swallow screwdrivers, a hammer, a hairbrush. Somebody here in Minnesota swallowed a Jesse Ventura doll. <laughs> I, I didn't know they sold Jesse Ventura dolls, let alone ate them. Yeah. The world record, they actually have a world record on this. I did some research on it. I'm serious on this. I'm dead serious. One guy ate an entire chandelier. Uh, a, this huge chandelier broke it down, crushed it, and ate it. I don't know why. But good luck passing that one. Uh, I thought I was in pain. But the world record is held by a guy who ate uh, three television sets. And I don't know how long it took him. I don't know why he ate television sets. I don't know whether it was tube television or digital or color or black and white. That's where they got the, the phrase TV dinners. I don't know. <laughs> Bing. Okay. Okay, it's really bad. But see, the, the, the issue here is that if you're not taking in the right stuff, things are going to get clogged up. And, and the natural cycle of life of in and out is going to be violated. Uh, sometimes people get clogged up because they eat the wrong stuff. Sometimes people get clogged up not because they're eating the wrong stuff necessarily, but because they're believing the wrong stuff. They got weird ideas about this. 
Um, there are some, and again, it's usually kids, but, but some adults have it, where they, 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 for some reason, frame having a bowel movement as a bad thing. Uh, usually it's a security issue or a control issue, a fear issue, a, a possession issue. They, they think that somehow letting go of this is, is bad for them. Um, there's one mother I talked to who, who, whose child uh, uh, used to see flushing the toilet as, as traumatic because they felt like a part of them was going down the toilet. And in a sense, they were right, I suppose, but they, they saw this as a bad thing. Like, they're being amputated. Like, that's mine! I can't let it go. It's mine! And uh, the, the, the psychological term for this, as most of you know, is it's called being anally retentive. Okay, you, you just, I don't want to describe it any further than that. Anally retentive. In our culture, we sometimes abbreviate it just to say anal. You know, that person's kind of anal. And what we mean by that is, is that they're, they're, they're uptight. They're just, they can't let go. They can't relax. They, they've got control issues. The natural flow of life is you get the right in, you get the right out. That's, the, that's how things are supposed to flow. And when that gets blocked, either because you're ingesting the wrong thing or you're unwilling to let go of, of the right things, then, then you block the flow of life. You get the wrong in and you get a blocked out. And sometimes that blocked out can prevent you from getting the right in. Uh, people who suffer from serious constipation can become afraid to eat. I was afraid to eat after six days of this. It's like, man, this is just going to add to the pain. So uh, what goes in affects what comes out, and what doesn't come out affects what, what goes in. That's the cycle of life. So my point today, folks, is you need to eat your fibers and drink prune juice and exercise and drink a of water. God bless you. Have a great day in the Lord. <laughs> and you don't think you get your money's worth around here. Okay. That's the analogy. Let's apply it. Of course, there's a spiritual application here. The spiritual realm and the physical realm operate on the same principles because it's the same God who created us. Uh, the, the cycle of life, the flow, uh, is, and the need to release what you take in and not hold on to stuff that you're supposed to let go of applies in a spiritual way. And actually, I think it's, it, it's profound and extremely important. Now, if you've been around here for any length of time, you've seen this diagram. God, the triune God, Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit that we sang about this morning, who is unsurpassable love, created us with a, with a God-shaped, triune-shaped vacuum. We need worth. We need significance. We need love. We, we, need, we need to feel like our life has purpose. That God alone can give us. And he created us with this vacuum because he delights in pouring his life into us. He wants to pour his unconditional life, his unconditional love, his joy, his, all that he is he wants to pour into us. And in God's design, that's the food for our soul. That's the one thing that brings nutrition to our, our soul. And in God's design, we should not only take that in, but it should go out. It's a natural cycle of life in God's design. So he created us to overflow, to become mirrors of who he is. Uh, uh, just uh, centers that radiate, that, give, that, that, that shine forth his love and his life and his value to all others. And that's how his kingdom is done on earth as it is in heaven. He pours into us and it flows through us. It's the natural cycle of life. And as we receive it in, we give it forth. As we give it forth, we receive uh, more in. Uh, when we don't receive it in, we don't give it forth. When we don't give it forth, it affects our receiving it in. The natural cycle of life is that we receive it and we display it. It's about receiving and displaying God's outrageous love. It's about receiving and displaying God's Christ-like character. We, we, we ingest Christ's character and we display it. That's the natural course of life. It's about receiving and displaying God's, the, the kingdom of God, the will of God. His will comes to us, it transforms us, and then we do it. We display it. We give it. 
What we receive is what we give. Freely we have received, freely we give. And that's how his will is done on earth as it is in heaven. It's about us receiving his abundant life, his eternal life, his joyful life, his free life, his spontaneous life, that that life that never ends. It flows into us and he wants it to flow through us. And all of this is simply a way of saying he wants Jesus, the person of Jesus Christ, to flow into us, for that to be our, our spiritual food. Jesus says in John 6, you must eat me. You must drink my blood. He's saying, take me into your inner being. Ingest me. And as we do that, the natural flow of life, if we don't block it, if we don't get constricted on it, is for it to be displayed uh, throughout every area of our life. That's the flow of life. And as you're walking in that, you're healthy. As you're walking in that, you're free. As you're walking in that, you're walking in what God created you and saved you to walk in. The character of Jesus that flows into us, we've got to know this. You are what you eat. Well, here's what happens when you eat Jesus. You begin to look like this. It says in Hebrews chapter 12, the author says, Let us run with perseverance the race that is set before us looking to Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith, who for, the, who for the sake of the joy that was set before him. you got to know this. God is not a downer. He's not depressed. He's not bent out of shape. What he does, he does for joy, even when it involves tremendous sacrifice. It was for the joy that was set before him. He was aiming at joy here. And what was the joy he was aiming at? The joy was saving you and saving me and us being in a relationship with him throughout eternity. The, the joy that that gave him made this worth it. For the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross disregarding its shame and has taken his seat at the right hand of the throne of God. That means he was exalted. You've got to know this, that the Christ who's coming into you is, is that Christ. This Christ who, for the sake of a bigger vision... For the sake of expressing love, for the joy of accomplishing the will of the Father, uh, is willing to in, in, in engage in incredible sacrifice. That's the, 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 the spirit that flows into us and that wants to be expressed through us. It's, it's this giving spirit. God so loved the world, the Bible says, that he gave. That's what love is all about. Love is about ascribing worth to another at cost to oneself. That's why Jesus is the supreme example of what love is. To be willing to sacrifice even for your enemies, you got to know that that spirit resides within you. Jesus resides within you. He goes into you. The question is, does he come out of you? Or are you constricting this? Paul puts it like this, 2 Corinthians chapter 8. you got to know, this is the Jesus who's, who's abiding in us. For you know the generous act of our Lord Jesus Christ. He's generous if he's anything. Here's how he was generous. That though he was rich, yet for our sakes he became poor, so that by his poverty you might become rich. This is, this is what love does. Now again, it wasn't a permanent poverty vow he was taking on. He did it for joy. He, he didn't do it because there was a gun to his head or someone told him he had to. It was for the joy. He got something out of the deal. What he got out of the deal was you. And he got you for all eternity, and that's what he wanted. And then he was glorified at the right hand of the Father. But to get to that end, he was willing to lay it aside and to, and, and to become impoverished, to sacrifice it all on our behalf. That's what love does. That's what love does. And in the natural flow of life, we are to take this love, Jesus Christ, in and let it be expressed out. It's the natural cycle of life. But what you take in affects what goes out, and your willingness to let it go out affects your ability to take it in. In the early church, we see them taking this in and letting it out all over the place. It just characterized the early church. The church of Macedonia, for example, man, they demonstrated the generosity of Jesus Christ. 
in some remarkable ways. Paul's writing to the church at Corinth about an offering that he wanted to take up, and so he says this in 2 Corinthians chapter 8. We want you to know, Corinthian brothers and sisters, about the grace of God that has been granted to the churches of Macedonia. Stop. Note there. The, the, the church of Macedonia, he's holding up as an example of a generous church, but he describes it as the grace of God given to them. The ability to give generously is a, is, is a symptom of the great, a symptom, an, an evidence, it's an indicator of the grace of God. God's grace gives you the ability. As you take it in, you display it. For during a severe ordeal of affliction, their abundant joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. Note that these people weren't in a convenient place to participate in this offering. Uh, They were in poverty and they were afflicted, and yet they wanted to. Uh, they, they, They were outrageous givers. Why? The answer is because the cycle of life doesn't depend on the circumstances of life. Christ was in them, and Christ wanted to be expressed through them, whether they were poor or whether they were rich. It's the same principle applies to all, that, that uh, you need to take it in and need to express it. But he says this, For as I testify, they voluntarily gave according to their means. I'll be saying more about this in, in, in the weeks to come. But he says, according to their means. Not everyone has the same means. Okay, there's a proportion thing here. It's not like one shoe fits all. But according to their means, they gave. And they gave voluntarily. Paul didn't have to get up there and say, Come on, you Macedonians. You selfish poopheads. You're supposed to. We're going to use a lot of those kind of analogies today. Uh, you know, what's wrong? He didn't, he didn't have to pull their teeth. didn't have to shame them. didn't have to manipulate them. didn't have to cajole them or anything. They just gave. In fact, listen to this. He says, And even beyond their means, begging us earnestly for the privilege of sharing in this ministry to the saints. Please, Paul, let us participate, please. Now, Paul maybe was saying, you guys, listen, you're too poor. You know, I, I, I'll go to the Corinth church. They, they, they got a lot of money. Uh, but you guys, and they're, they're going, don't cut us out of the deal. You know, this is an opportunity. This is a privilege to, to give. See, there's a spirit being manifested there that only comes from Jesus Christ. They seem to understand that only what's done for the kingdom lasts forever. And they, want, they didn't want to miss this Kairos moment. So they begged Paul, please, Paul, you've got to let us in. And I don't think Paul was going, no, I don't want to. Please, Paul, let us, please, we want to give. No, they, 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 they did it voluntarily. They wanted to, to get on this. And not merely as we expected, Paul says, they gave themselves first to the Lord by the will of God and then to us. Here's what they did. Just note this. This is what we've been, this is all we're going to do in in, in this whole growing in the spirit thing, but it's all we do in general. You go to the Lord, okay? They went to the Lord. They gave themselves to the Lord, and then as a result of that, they gave themselves to the ministry of Paul. Okay, when you get the vertical relationship uh, solid, the horizontal stuff gets solid. When you're taking it in, it's going to naturally come out, okay? It's It's the cycle of life. And the, the, the Macedonian church is an example of the early church where they were feasting on Jesus and they were displaying Jesus. The cycle of life was there. They were living in the zone. It characterized all uh, or almost all of the early church. In the book of Acts, it says this. All who believed were together and had all things in common. They would sell their possessions and goods and distribute the proceeds to all as any had need. Day by day, as they spent much time together in the temple, they broke bread at home and ate their food with glad 
and generous hearts. Acts 4 repeats this, saying that some people would sell their houses and whatever, because they, they, they just, you know, we're, we're going to take care of one another, and it's for the sake of the ministry. With glad and generous hearts. See, the generosity here wasn't a, a grudging thing. Like someone had a rule here saying, okay, here's the deal. Now that you're a Christian, you give this percentage, you give this, you got to go sell that. How dare you live in that big of a home? No, you got to give that up. There was none of that going on. No one, no one came up with a rule here that says, hey, you know what? We've got to have everything in common. Okay, here's the new rule. You got to give this, you got to do this, whatever. And no one was sitting there looking at everybody else like, well, I gave this, what'd you give? Oh, you, should, you could give more than that. You should. There wasn't any policing, there was no moral police, there's no constraints. But there was a reality, there was a life, there was a spirit, and God was leading them at this point to do this in their history. It was a natural thing. They were getting it from God, and so there's this in their hearts this new kind of generosity, this outrageous sort of generosity that they were just flowing in and, and, and trusting God. They're seeking first the kingdom of God and trusting God for everything else. It was just happening there in the early church. And so you find example after example of this. Barnabas, later on in the book of Acts, goes and he just feels led to sell everything he's got to give it to, to the church. It was sacrificial giving. In fact, the Bible describes that gift as a hilarious gift. Hilarious. It was laughable. It was like over the top. I was like, what, are, what, what is this? But see, God's gift to Barnabas was hilarious, and then it got expressed in that kind of hilariousness. It's a natural kind of flow. And no one told Barnabas that he was supposed to do that. He just did that. It was a God thing. It wasn't a, 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 a human thing. See, this is, this is what it is to walk in the Spirit. When, when you're getting life from God and you're expressing the life that is from God, you're walking in the Spirit. There's a natural flow there. God gives to you, you express it. As you express it, God gives to you. As he gives to you, you express it. And there's this, this thing, life in the Spirit. Life in the Spirit is life that begins to look like, like it's godly. It looks like God. And this is what God does. God's love the world he gave. And it, it begins to characterize all of our life. It, it's, it's, a, it's a life that's not centered on self. It's a life that's centered on love. It's about ascribing worth to others and how you think and, how, and what you say and what you do and how you use your resources. It characterizes all of life. It's life in the spirit. It's abundant life. It is joyful life because it's life that's not lived in this constraining mode. In the kingdom of God, it's natural life. The intake and the outtake is natural uh, it's the opposite of, if I can be so crass, it's the opposite of being anal retentive. Where you're, you're just living in a clinging mode, in this me mode, in this fear mode, in this anxiety mode, in this clutch mode. It's life lived more like a dance, life in the spirit. It's life lived with open palms. It's life lived with recognition that it all belongs to God. Even my life belongs to God. And, and uh, you know, if I got it, I got it. If I don't have it, I don't have it. But either way, I've got God, so I'm just fine. You know, it's life lived like a dance. There's a freedom. Nothing owns you. Oh, you may have stuff. You may have a lot of stuff. You enjoy blessings from God. Wonderful. But you don't cling to it, and it doesn't cling to you. And that's the definition of freedom, folks. To live free. To live free. To know that it all belongs to God. And it's like, I got it, I got it. I don't have it, I don't have it. But you don't, you don't cling to it. The, 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 the anxiety and the fear that so often characterizes people is gone. It's life lived in freedom. See, what you need to know is this. As a believer, the Spirit of God resides, that Spirit I'm talking about right now, that Spirit resides within you right here and right now. In fact, your basic identity, your nature is to be like that. The Spirit of the Church of Macedonia is your Spirit. The Spirit of a Barnabas is your Spirit. When you're a believer, the Holy Spirit resides within you. 
The spirit that characterized the early church is your spirit because the spirit that characterizes God is your spirit. And it longs for expression. It longs for expression. Now, the reality of the situation, let us be honest, we're just real humans with real struggles serving a real Savior, is that in my life and in your life, it doesn't always get expressed. We do get knotted up, don't we? We have the, the equivalent of spiritual fur balls and Jesse Ventura dolls in our stomach. Uh, we get constricted. We get constrained. Why is that? Why does the church today look very little, really, like the church of the book of Acts? And this is asked the question. And I submit to you that because everything in the universe is fractally related, really, that's my hypothesis anyways, and the spiritual realm looks just like the natural realm, the natural realm operates on the same principles as the spiritual realm, the reasons why we get constricted spiritually are really the same as the reasons why we get constricted physically. We don't eat the right stuff, and we have the wrong beliefs about letting go. We don't eat the right stuff. What do I mean by that? What I mean by that is this. There is a spiritual equivalent to pica, this disorder called pica. And in fact, I submit to you that the matrix of our culture, that term matrix is one of the concepts we use around here from the movie The Matrix. It, 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 it's just the pat, what the Bible calls the pattern of the world, the system of lies that comes at us. It strongly influences us in the direction of having spiritual pica. We think things are food that are not food, and when we eat them, They don't digest well. They just sit there. They don't pass. And we get all knotted up. Spiritual pica can take a lot of different forms. We, people think that, uh, it, it, that fullness of life, everyone's hungry on the inside, and you think that if you just ate more houses, you would, uh, then, then, then you'd be full. Or just ate a bigger house, then you'd be full. Or just ate a, a better car or more cars, you'd be full. Or maybe, here's another form of spiritual pica, is you think that if you just did a few more do's and, and, and didn't do a few more don'ts, then you'd be full. If only your performance was a little better. If only your, your religion was a little tighter. If only your beliefs were a little more writer. Or maybe it's your looks, or maybe it's your sexuality. If only I was prettier, if only I was skinnier, if only I was fatter, well, then I'd have life. And you're trying to eat uh, your source of worth and source of self-esteem and sense of well-being in life from those things. Maybe it's the achievements, maybe it's the recognition, maybe it's whatever, but all of those things. Now, there's nothing wrong with any of those things. Look as good as you can. Enjoy your big house. Drive your nice car. Uh, you know, uh, achieve as much as you can achieve. Nothing wrong with any of that. But don't try to eat it. There's nothing wrong with a Jesse Ventura doll, but for goodness sakes, don't devour it. You see, play with it. We all like our Jesse Ventura dolls, don't we? I like mine. I play with it all the time. It has a role. Hammers have a role, but they're not to be eaten. You know? Hairbrushes, nice. We all like hairbrushes when you have hair. But don't eat the thing. You see, there's a role, there's an appropriate role for things in life, okay? That's fine. But when we try to get life from them, when we try to get worth from them and significance, you, you've got a spiritual form of pica, and you know what? It's not going to work. Uh, uh, there's no, it may make you feel full temporarily, as I suppose eating a Jesse Ventura doll will do, but it's not going to feel good in the long run, and you're not going to pass it, and it doesn't have any nutrients whatsoever. You're going to be starving to death. And so you think if you just ate another Jesse Ventura doll, and another, and another, but you know what? It just makes you more and more stuffed, less and less, with less and less nutrients, starving to death all the while, suffering from terrible indigestion. 
Sometimes people suffer from a spiritual form of pica. And, and what happens is this. If you're eating the wrong stuff, and you've got to be really honest with yourself to discover this. If you're eating the wrong stuff, then nothing's going to pass through you. And so the preacher can stand up here and say, you know what? Christians ought to be generous. Christians ought to be given. Christians ought to be you know, giving sacrificially, not just conveniently, but in a way that impacts their lifestyle. That's what a sacrificial gift is all about. And you can say that you ought to be given this percent, and you ought to be this, and you better be this, and you should be this, and you got to be this, and it can go on and on and on. And you can get mad, and you get angry, and you can even threaten them with hell. But if they're eating Jesse Ventura dolls, it's not going to do a bit of good. They'll just feel a little bit worse about eating the Jesse Ventura doll. You can't give what you don't got. You see, if what you've got is a Jesse Ventura doll, then you can't give anything. And so a person who's eating spiritual, who's, who's involved in spiritual pica, they may actually on some level want to give and, and be a generous person. And you hear this message and you think, gosh, I wish I, could, I wish I could live in that kind of a freedom. But giving, it's not, there's no joy in it. There's no freedom in it. There's no spontaneity. You don't get that. It feels painful to you. It's like, okay, I, I'll give this much. But, but it's, like, it's like I was, after six days of eating freeze-dried food without enough uh, water, it's painful. It's painful. It's like, okay. And, and it made you feel righteous because it's painful. But you know what? It's not supposed to be painful. It's supposed to be very natural. It's supposed to kind of flow. It's, just, it's supposed to be easy. And, 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 but if you're eating pica stuff, it's not going to be easy at all. You can't give what you don't get. And someone giving you more, 10 more shoulds and 8 more oughts and this percentage or that isn't going to help the situation at all. What needs to happen here, folks, if I can be so crass, and I'm not the most sophisticated person in the world, so cut me some slack here this morning, but you need a serious change of diet and you need a serious spiritual enema. That's the only thing that's going to change the situation. Woo! Give me an amen, brother. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. I said I, you need a spiritual enema. No, it's, it's like this. Look at it. Look at it. It's about waking up to the reality. You know on some level, you know on some level this isn't working. This Jesse Ventura doll is making you stuffed, and it's not, it's not, it's not good for you. You know on some level that, that, that uh, more riches or more prettiness or more of this or more achievements or more religion or more whatever is not going to do the trick. If it was going to do the trick, it would have done it by now. It hasn't done it by now, so it's never going to. You know that on some level. Wake up to the reality and flush it out of your system. That's called repentance. It's called turning. Turn away from it. Just let it go. Let it go. There's no life there. Fine. Play with the Jesse Ventura doll, but let it go as a source of food. You know, use the, 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 the screwdriver, but, but let it go as a source for food. You know, fine. Look as pretty as you want, but, but don't but lose it as a source of food. It might be gone tomorrow. Let let go of that. And then turn to the one true diet. It's found in John 6 and throughout the New Testament. Jesus says, eat, eat of me, eat of me, eat of the tree of life. Begin to sit down and have, engorge yourself. Feast. Uh, just, just, just go crazy having a diet of Jesus. He's the source of life. Just have a banquet with Jesus Christ. Let him love you. Let him put his arms around you. Let him just bathe you in his grace and bathe you in his mercy just as you are right now. Spend time just enjoying that. Getting your worth and getting your significance and getting your meaning and getting your fullness of life from Jesus Christ. And the thing is, is that as you eat the real food, your addiction to Jesse Ventura dolls kind of goes by the wayside. Because now you don't need it anymore. You're getting full. You see what I'm talking about? Flush out the false food. Start eating the real food. And you'll find as a matter of natural course, there's something in you that now all of a sudden you want to participate in this cycle of life, this giving, this, this, this outflow uh, letting the Jesus that you're feasting on get expressed in your life. Some people, 
block up the natural course of life by having the wrong in. Others, however, their problem is more that they have false beliefs about the out. All right? Isn't this a weird sermon that I'm talking about? The whole analogy is bowel movements, but, but it works. Uh, it, it, it's, it's about having the, the, the wrong beliefs about what goes out. You see, you may be actually taking in the right stuff, but there's another lie in our culture that says this. You've got to hang on to stuff. You know, it's, it, maybe it's not a source of life, but, but it's very important to hang on to it. Your security, your well-being, your significance is found in hanging on to stuff. You know, it's, and your belief is that if you let any of that go, you have less. And if you keep more of it, you have more. You become spiritually, anally retentive. He says, I, I got to hang on. And you feel like if you lose any part of it, you're losing part of you. It's like, you know, part of you is dying. It's a lie. Actually, in the kingdom of God, the opposite is true. You need to realize this. Holding on to that which we're supposed to let go of is damaging to you. The enemy makes it seem like it's good for you, but actually it's damaging to you. It, it, it for one thing, undermines your, your effectiveness in the kingdom of God because now stuff that you could let, it's like when you let go of this stuff, it takes on eternal significance, but when you hang on to it, it just becomes clogged up uh, stuff in your intestines. It, 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 uh, it, it, and if you have too much of it, it begins to pollute you. Um, you. You miss the opportunity, the privilege of investing in something that never ends. But it's also damaging to you. A person who is clogged up becomes jaundiced. Okay? You're, there, there's an infection that begins to uh, uh, discolor you and affect everything you see and do. When we hang on to stuff, when we live life in a clinging mode, it harms us, both spiritually and financially. Let me say a word about both of those. Spiritually, here's what Jesus says. Just listen to this. He says, be merciful just as your Father is merciful. Note that just as. You can't be more merciful than that. It's, it's never, you, you can never outdo mercy. Do not judge and you will not be judged. Do not condemn and you will not be condemned. Forgive and you will be forgiven. Give and it will be given unto you. Note the order there. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. The same thing is going to come back to you, only now it's going to be running over. It will be put into your lap, for the measure you give will be the measure you get back. Now here's what Jesus is saying here. It's not just that what, that, it's not just that what comes in affects what goes out in the natural course of life, but what goes out affects what comes in. When a person, for example, is not merciful to others, they have a hard time accepting God's mercy to them. Do you know that? Some of you maybe know that firsthand. When a person is unforgiving towards others, they have a hard time accepting God's forgiveness to them. Not letting it go pollutes their perception of God. When a person is judgmental towards others, they're going to experience judgment towards them. Jesus promises you that. And it's because the way that we are towards others affects our view of God, just like our view of God affects the way that we are towards others. And so Jesus says, engage in the discipline of being merciful, of being non-judgmental, of being forgiven. Let that stuff go. Let the anger go. Let the judgment go. Let the self-righteousness go. Let that go. And you'll find that it purifies your, 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 your perception of God. It, it, it allows you to take in Jesus Christ in a more pure, pristine way. A number of people have, have told me that as they have disciplined their mind to take every thought captive for Jesus Christ, 
as we, we, we talked about this last year, about uh, uh, walking in the mindset, being transformed by the renewing of your mind, to collapse judgmental commentaries about people and realize that your one job in life is to ascribe unsurpassable worth, to love all people at all times in all situations, no ifs, ands, or buts. And they've, they've told me that as they've done that, just in the mall, driving out of the church parking lot, wherever, they just ascribe worth. That person has infinite worth. Bless them, Lord Jesus. Thank you for dying for that person. Oh, how you love that person. And, and you look past the exterior and affirm the interior. As they do that, they've discovered this new dimension to what they get from God. Give, and it shall be given unto you. Full measure, pressed down, shaken together. They've discovered God's love for them, God's forgiveness of them, uh, areas of their life that needed healing, and they do it by virtue of what they give. As we live in the mode, in thought, word, deed, and resources of ascribing worth to others by sacrifice, it opens up stuff for us to come, uh, it opens up, uh, uh, us up to receive that same thing from God. Given it shall be given unto you. But there's also a financial application for this. And I, for years, downplayed the financial application as being too trivial, and I'm a spiritual guy. You know that, don't you? I'm a very spiritual man, actually. And so I downplayed the, you know, the finance. Who cares about finances? But see, I really have gotten more mature. <laughs> I realize that, 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 is, that you can't separate finances from your spirituality. It's all wrapped up together. And in fact, one of the main ways of, 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 te- of, of discovering for yourself where your values are, what's important to you, is to ask, where do your finances go? And, and, and so this is an important area. It's also important because it's one of the main ways that we can ascribe worth to others. It's, it, it's, it's, a, it's a means to an end. It's nothing in and of itself, but it's a means to an end. And so the Bible tells us that the principle of giving and it shall be given unto you applies even spiritually. And Paul says this in 2 Corinthians 9. The point is this, the one who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and the one who sows bountiful, bountifully will also reap bountifully. You just got to know that principle. And it applies spiritually. But Paul's talking about money here. He's talking about money. Proverbs 11 says, One person gives freely, yet gains even more. Another withholds unduly, but comes to poverty. It's just the opposite. See, there's a, there's a, there's a, the thinking of the world is that the more I keep, the more I have. The more I give away, the less I have. God doesn't play by that rule. Actually, John Nash showed us with Nash's equilibrium that the, the, the economy doesn't play by that rule either. One of the reasons why our economy is coming to a grinding halt is because everybody thinks that they have to keep what they have so they're not spending, they're not investing, they're not giving, and so the whole thing's coming to a, to a, to a grinding halt. It's just like a principle of nature. It's, it's, it's uh, you know, given it shall be given unto you. But it applies to our life individually. That as we live in this, see, there's no shortage of resources for God, is there? And as we live in this openness towards God and this, this cycle of life, receiving and giving, uh, that, that the more we bless, the more we open ourselves up to being blessed. The more we are blessed, the more we're in a position to bless. And that is fun, and that is life, and that is the flow of the Holy Spirit. Now, this isn't a magical formula. Hear me here. Some people try to turn the Bible into a little book of magic, and now I got this little formula, so now I can get rich. Ah, here's the secret. So if I do this, then God owes me. Now, it's not a formula, but it is a principle. It generally characterizes life. We don't control God with it. We don't control anything with it. But we are called to live by it. Given it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed on. My wife and I in the last four years have been um, really just growing in this area, just discovering this thing. And uh, it works. <laughs> By golly, I can't believe it. it 
I, I, it has been it has been exciting to see. God doesn't operate with a zero sum game. It's not like I have to win by you losing or you have to win by me losing. He wants you to win by me winning. And the more you give, the 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 principle is the more He gives you to give. When you're faithful in little, He'll He'll make you faithful in much. He, he promises that there's nothing that you invest in the kingdom of God that won't come back on you a hundredfold in this life and in the life to come. And uh, uh, we, we've just discovered this, sometimes in amazing ways. It becomes an adventure where it's like, okay, what else can we take on? And, and you start giving, and the Lord ends up blessing you. There are times where it gets kind of scary. It's like, okay, we need some manna from heaven. We need some water from a rock. But somehow, some way, God finds a way, and you're in a position to bless where you're no longer just a taker, but you're a giver. And it, that's where you really find out the joy, the joy of living in, in the Spirit, to be, a, to be a giver, to be in a position to bless. And to bless, and to bless, and to bless. That's the cycle of life. Right in, right out. Wrong in, blocked out. Blocked out, wrong in. That's the mathematical formula. Eat the right things. Two, two, two principles. Eat the right things. And the only right thing to eat is Jesus Christ. And secondly, loose what you're supposed to loose. Let go of it. The, against the lie, Christ-like generosity is good for you. And it's good for everybody else. Living in that mode. And we'll say more about kind of the, what that looks like. But right now it's just the principle. Living, the natural flow is to manifest what you get. And what you get is Christ-like generosity. And we manifest that. Close your eyes and, and pray. Very quickly, let me just extend this invitation. If you're here this morning and you, you've never taken your first bite of Jesus Christ, you've never eaten of the Lord, you've never surrendered your life to Jesus Christ, I want to invite you to come forward here uh, over to my right. There's some people who would be glad to explain to you what that involves and becoming a part of the kingdom. And I just want to ask this question as I close in prayer. How many here would make it part of their intentional prayer and commitment to say, Lord, teach me about my diet, what I'm taking in. And teach me, Lord, about my letting go. What am I, is my attitude right? Do you have, a, 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 to any degree, a, a version of spiritual pica? And are you clinging? And let the Lord show you that. How many will commit to bringing that before the Lord? Would you raise your hand? Amen, amen. Just say, Lord, I, I want to grow in this. I want to grow in that flow of life. Father, I pray in Jesus' name that you would make us your kingdom people, people who understand and walk in the flow, who just uh, manifest the character and the generosity of Jesus Christ in our time, in our prayer, and in how we use the resources that you bless us with. Father, I come against any lies that we may believe, either either about what is the source of life or about letting go of things. Father, I pray that you'd wake us up And release us to be the full kingdom people walking in the dance of the joy of Jesus Christ that you called us to walk in and dance in. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said one more time. Amen. The altar is open. If you want to come forward for prayer, uh, would the prayer team come forward and they'd be glad to pray with you. And if you have questions about becoming a believer, a Christian, over here in this corner, these people will help you. God bless you guys. Walk in freedom.